Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, the the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is it? What is there to prevent me from being baptized? So he commanded his chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Evangelism is the title of today's sermon. Are you nervous already? (laughs) After the early service, I heard that our church once hosted an evangelism training. Years ago, a specialist came and trained those brave and willing members of the congregation who signed up. She began by saying, Do you know what all Christians and non-Christians have in common? The non-Christians are scared that someone's going to come and knock on their door, and the Christians are scared that someone is going to ask them to. (laughs) What is evangelism? Who among us has this gift of the Spirit? What good does it do? As you can tell by looking around the sanctuary, this summer we are preaching a series on spiritual gifts. So far we've celebrated the gifts of artistic expression, discernment, 
encouragement, generosity, and today's evangelism. But let's start today as we think about evangelism, not with what evangelism is, but with what evangelism isn't. The opposite of evangelism is sharing the bad news. There is no need for us to take time to celebrate those who proclaim the bad news, who, who take it door to door, for those who share the bad news in our world today are a dime a dozen. We wake up and turn on the TV and watch daily coverage of the bad news. Drinking our coffee while reading the headlines in any daily news source, there it is again. We go to the doctor and we are scared that we will hear it. Walking through life, we brace ourselves for it. All day long, everywhere we go, we hear about how the world is falling apart, how the good guys are losing ground, and how young people are worse than ever. <laughs> Have you heard how people love to share the bad news about young people? I hear folks talk about how young people are always looking at their phones. They don't even talk to each other. They don't want to work. They'd rather be on their FaceTime and tweet their TikToks. <laughs> Listen to this opinion piece, which could have appeared in any news outlet just this past weekend. Children, they have bad manners, contempt for authority, they show disrespect for elders and love chatter in the place of exercise. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents and they tyrannize their teachers. Children are now tyrants. Guess who said that? Socrates. <laughs> My friends, the bad news has always been around us. The bad news has been with us forever. The worst thing about the bad news is that it feels true. The bad news feels true because hearing or reading that things are getting worse and worse reinforces what we're already thinking. According to the National Science Foundation, an average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. Out of all the thoughts that pass through the human mind on an average day, 80% of them are negative. 95% of them are repetitive. All day long, within our minds, we are assaulted by the bad news. And if we are also reading and watching the bad news, then we are drowning in it. Bad news is everywhere. The question I have for you this morning is, who in your life has shared with you something different? Who in your life has proclaimed the good news? That's evangelism. It's different from encouragement, which we covered already, for encouragement says you can do it, while evangelism says God can do it. Having hit a closed door, then knocked until your knuckles bled, has anyone ever said to you, God can do what you cannot? As you felt troubles rise so fast that you thought you might drown in them, did anyone help you to hear his voice saying, do not be afraid for I am with you? 
When you were isolated and alone, did anyone dare say to you that you have a friend in Jesus? I've done it best when I've kept it simple. Holding the hand of a wife who just found out that her husband is dying, I said, this is going to be hard, but you're going to make it. Preaching the funeral of a man who took his own life, I leaned on the book of Romans and proclaimed, even today, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Evangelism is not rocket science, nor is it brain surgery. You don't have to make a theological argument, nor do you have to have the Bible memorized. However... The good news is always countercultural because it is different from what we are used to hearing and used to thinking. Evangelism contradicts most every other voice that has been spoken, including the voices inside our heads. I was a seminary student in my last semester and I heard it. As I had for all three years, I worked the breakfast shift in the school cafeteria for my work study. I was shoveling grits and scrambled eggs. Because it was my last semester, my classmates had started talking about the churches they would go to after graduation. My friends were getting called to churches as pastors, associate pastors. Me, on the other hand, while I'd had an interview or two, I, I was coming up empty I had few contacts, I had no leads, and I was getting scared. A classmate must have been able to read the desperation on my face. She asked me what I was going to do after graduation, and I told her, I don't know. She looked me in the eye over the steaming hot bar, and she said, every student at this school is studying to become a pastor. Some of them are supposed to be pastors. You, Joe Evans, are supposed to be a pastor. Just wait. Can you imagine how good it felt to me in that moment to hear that good news? Do you know what it's like when you are opening rejection letters and the thoughts in your head are also telling you that you're not good enough? One source of bad news reinforces the other. 80% of your thoughts are hopeless, critical, and told you so, and that 80% is running on repeat. Then counter the rejection letters and the negative thoughts. Someone speaks into your life a different message. In comes the evangelist with some good news. In our second scripture lesson, an Ethiopian eunuch was sitting in a chariot trying to make sense of the Bible. You likely know what a chariot is and what the Bible is, but do you know what a eunuch is? I'm not going to get into the details of it today. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the same thing my seventh grade Sunday school teacher, Dr. Ken Farah, told me when I asked him, Joe, that's a question you need to ask your father. <laughs> What's a eunuch? Uh, ask your father for the details. Let me tell you about the consequences. In a world where some are clearly male and others clearly female, 
the people who do not fit neatly into either category suffered a lonely existence. Many were slaves, made eunuchs by slave drivers because eunuchs could be sold for more. They underwent surgery and unsanitary conditions, and if they survived, they were bought and sold to serve at the table of the prince's household or at the feet of the well-born Roman socialites. Husbands would assign them to their wife's chambers without fear of the consequences. Eunuchs were like men, though their voices were high, they couldn't grow a beard, and they could father no children. Among the slave class, they were high-ranking, for they were valuable and trusted. However, were a eunuch granted his freedom, he might have more trouble making a living free than he had as an enslaved person. Why? Because he didn't fit in. People found his appearance disturbing. So imagine with me a person who never fit in, who worked for nothing, had never been on a date, Valentine's Day comes around and no one gives him a card because the place of an Ethiopian eunuch is a dead end that leads to nowhere. In no hurry to get back home because no one there is waiting for him, he's sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah and listen to what he read. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for his life is taken away from the earth? Asking the disciple Philip, who is this about? Philip tells the eunuch about Jesus, but the eunuch wants to know who it is that the prophet speaks because it felt like the prophet were talking about him. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter. He was like a lamb silent before its shearer. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. When he dies with no offspring, his life will be taken from the earth. That's the story of the eunuch. And because that's his story, he is friendless and alone. Yet if Philip tells him that it is Jesus' story, then the friendless eunuch suddenly has a friend in Jesus. That's evangelism. When the bad news says it can't be done, the evangelist says God can do it. When the bad news reports on a world full of locked doors, the evangelist says there is a place for you. Come inside. When the world leaves you out in the cold and the thoughts in your head tell you that you'll always be alone, listen for the good news. For if the eunuch has a friend in Jesus, so do you. All the time. Jesus was welcoming in the outcast. He invited all the sinners to his table and was a guest of the tax collectors. The religious authorities turned their backs and locked their doors to people like eunuchs. Maybe they turned their backs and locked their doors on people like us. Yet at this table of grace set before you, we find our welcome. Who helped you to see that? Who 
helped you to see Jesus? Who helped you to feel loved and welcomed in a church instead of judged? Anyone ever been in a church well-versed in proclaiming the bad news? About this time of year, an old country church I drove past often I would always put out on the marquee, Sinners, you think it's hot now. <laughs> I don't know how many people found their way into that church after reading that message. But I do know that in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch, as Philip left him, he went on his way rejoicing. 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts move through your brain each day. 80% of them are negative. 95% of them are repetitive. Whose voice in your life broke that cycle? Whose voice pointed you towards the mighty love of God in a world of bad news? Take your card, take the pen and the pew rack right in front of you and write their name down. If you came in too late to get a card, there's no judgment here. Just write a name on the back of your bulletin. Who embodied the gift of evangelism to you? Everybody got it? Hold your card up and hold it up for just a second. In a world of bad news, look around, look around the sanctuary, and notice how many have proclaimed the good news. This summer, instead of standing to say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed, we affirm our faith by celebrating the gifts of the Holy Spirit given by the God who is at work in our world still. God is not silent. God is not dead. Alleluia. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.